I've known a man that is tough and smart, a man that's running against somebody that's never done a damn thing in the Senate, Mr. Jason Lewis. is my job, is it not? Welcome one and all. This is former Congressman Jason Lewis, but more importantly, former WBT talk show host Jason Lewis in for Brent Winterbull today has is my, uh, well, is my want every now and then. Uh, it's always fun to be back on WBT talking to folks in the Queen City where I spent so much time and today we're going to do it for three hours coming right up. So let's kick it right off. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you this because It's just sort of adding insult to injury, if you will. But a report came out from the Congressional Budget Office, uh, with which I am familiar, uh, two days ago. And the report said there were 3.3 million people who came to the United States illegally in fiscal year 2023. Now, that's larger than the size of Charlotte. It's displacing entire communities across this country. It is replacement theory writ large. And worse than that, of the 3.3 million that came in illegally just last year, 1.1 million were caught and released by federal authorities entering illegally. See, we didn't sell them to apply for asylum in their host country. We didn't send them back to Mexico if they were caught at the border. We released them and said, please show up at a court date to be determined in the future so we can process the charge against you, of which none will ever be held accountable for. This is an amazing phenomenon, the first invasion of the United States. The Civil War wasn't even an invasion of the United States across its then borders. This has been a deliberate invasion perpetrated by Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the woke Democrat Party in order to keep power. I want you to understand what's going on because where I, when I was in Congress from Minnesota, I saw it happening in real time. You had the United Nations Refugee Admissions Program, UNRWAP as it's called, being, being used to replace Minnesotans or drowned out uh, conservative populations in area like upper uh, northern Minnesota or central Minnesota. St. Cloud is a good example where these refugees were strategically planted to vote Democrat in St. Cloud, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, in Rochester, all throughout not just Minnesota. But you had a a pliant governor there, Governor Tim Walls, one of the the most uh, duplicitous and and really one of the, the most dangerous governors in America. And now Minnesota is gone. It's happening in the Carolinas. It's happening in Colorado. Certainly happening in Texas. You've got these strategic locations of illegals and refugees being put in place to elect Democrats. It is a replacement theory, as that that phrase has come to be known. And the left hates it when you use it. But look at California. Reagan's cabinet used to come from places like Orange County. A Republican couldn't get elected dog catcher in Orange County, California anymore. This is what they're doing. And in the process, massive amounts of Chinese-made fentanyl are destroying young people in this country. And it's not, by the way, by drug addicts. It's kids who, kids who take a one pill laced with fentanyl and die. 
That's being allowed in with the illegal immigrants. Terrorist cells, although I think sometimes that's a little bit overwrought, but nevertheless, that's being allowed in. But more than that, the strain on America's fiscal outlook because of a couple of things. One, the Emergency Medical Lee or Medical Treatment Act of 1982, which said hospitals have to treat people regardless of their immigration status if they show up. If you're a nonprofit hospital, you can't ask for insurance or a down payment or even your citizenship status. You treat. It's costing trillions. The, the Another Supreme Court decision in the early 80s said, well, we have to publicly educate illegals regardless of their citizenship status. Has a matter of a right read into the Constitution, which, of course, isn't there. Which brings us to the very, very fascinating standoff in Texas, speaking of the Constitution. This really is something that that has been a long time coming, something I wrote about in my first book, Power Divided is Power Checked, the argument for states' rights, and now it's here. The Biden, and understand something here, and I don't want to get too professorial for you, but bear with me for just a moment. The Constitution was not written to protect us from one another. The Constitution was written to protect us from a central government and divide roles amongst the feds and amongst the states. There isn't one state in the union who would have joined at the time of the constitutional ratification. Had they known their police powers, their sovereignty would be taken away, not to mention their uh, electioneering laws. Not one. Because they were very wary of a central government. They had, Madison was proposing the Constitution, and people like George Mason and Patrick Henry said, we're not going to ratify this thing unless you give us a guarantee of the Bill of Rights so that the states are protected with, under the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. That is the Republican, small r, compact of which kids do not learn anymore. They learn about democracy, a word that is nowhere mentioned in the Constitution. Not that we don't have democratic representation, but we are not a pure democracy where 51% of the people get to do anything they damn well want with the other 49. We are a republic that checks the majority. It's majority rule by filter. And one of the filters is the separation of powers vertically between the feds and the states. And this is where it gets really interesting with regard to Texas and Governor Abbott, who's saying, you can give me a deadline today to take down this wire or to back off on controlling our border, but to hell with you, I'm not going to do it. And guess what? Governor Abbott has the law on his side. Now, the left and their mouthpieces in the media are quickly running around saying, well, 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 uh, federal law is supreme. Only the federal government may pass immigration law. The states have no role in this whatsoever. Oh, would that it were true. Would that it were true. It is not. And that is why Governor Abbott is pushing this. And it's going to wind up in the Supreme Court. The Biden administration just earlier today gave Texas an ultimatum. This is the 13 days at the Alamo, folks. Um, This is federalism uh, in real time. We will either continue our constitutional republic as a collection of states with sovereign immunity 
assigning to the federal government few matters, primarily over war and peace, or we will become not a federal government, a national government that run rough, runs roughshod over the rights of the citizens and the rights of the several states. I'll explain further when we come back. This is a, this is really an important point, and I want to get to that as well as your calls. Former Congressman Jason Lewis in for Brett today. Welcome back, a veritable Beetle Bumper Friday, an old Jason Lewis trademark back in those old days when I was hosting on WBT. Some of the some of the great, great memories that I have is hosting on WBT, even including serving in Congress. Former Congressman Jason Lewis here in for Brent Winterbull today. Glad to have you on board as well. The contact line is always 704-570-1110. That's 704-570-1110. Here's what I want to do because this issue is so hot. We'll take my monologue to the bottom and then next segment and the segment after that will go to the phones as I say at 704-570-1110. The contact line remains the same. No matter who the host is by the way speaking of books and i go over all of this primarily state sovereignty in my first book which was somewhat prescient with regard to what's going on here uh, power divided is power check the argument for states rights it's still out there at amazon in my new book party animal the truth about president trump power politics and the partisan press <laughs> it's worth it just for that is now out in paperback at amazon for only 14.95 pick one up if you want to know what it's like to run for Congress, run for the United States Senate, serve in the House in the midst of COVID lockdowns, rioting in the Trump era, read my book, Party Animal. It's all in there. Um, what's happened and who lost Minnesota, who lost the country, the COVID shenanigans and dissembling by healthcare authorities, all of it is there in Party Animal. I hope you, uh, you pick up a copy soon. Now, As I was saying before, the standoff between Texas and the feds, the Biden administration today gave Texas an ultimatum. You will let us control the border or else states' rights be damned. And Governor Abbott and a number of other Republican governors are saying, hold on, we have a constitutional republic, a compact amongst the states where the federal government has certain powers. That's why it's called federal and not national. And the states retain their sovereignty under the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, states and the people. Now, here's where the the radical left that is trying to reset American demographics with unfettered illegal immigration. 3.3 million last year, probably five to six million under Biden. And through the span of the last few decades, really since 86 and amnesty, We've seen anywhere from 20 to 25 million illegals come here and change the fabric of entire communities. When you, This is not a, a rant against immigration. It's a rant against uncontrolled, unassimilating Im- immigrants or immigration. When you get massive numbers of people and they, and they all uh, um, relocate to a small community, they do not assimilate. And that is why before Ted Kennedy's handiwork in the mid-60s, we had limits on the total numbers that could come from each particular part of the globe so as to force assimilation. And assimilation in America is our lifeblood. We are not based on ethnicity. 
The Germans are German. The French are French. In English, they're Brits. In America, we're mutts. And if we don't assimilate according to a philosophy of freedom, the Constitution, culture, language, then this country balkanizes. That's called diversity, and it's not working. You can have a diversity of people. You cannot have a diversity of ideals. And this is the problem. Now, the Democrats don't care because these immigrants, legal and otherwise, at least early on, tend to vote Democrat. So they're doing it for power purposes, but they have no constitutional prerogative to do it. And what the media, the darlings of the liberals, basically the media today, let's be blunt about this. They are the press arm of the Democrat Party. And what they are constantly regurgitating in this debate is, well, well, you don't understand. The federal government only has the ability to control the border under federal immigration law. Now, take a step back, and I go over it in detail. I take a deep dive in this in Power Divided, and in Party Animal, for that matter. But understand something. The federal government or federal law is, in fact, supreme, but only in its proper sphere. That is, federal law is not supreme if it's unconstitutional law. The federal government may not set taxi rates in Sheboygan. That is a local endeavor. The police powers of the states set local rules. They set the criminal code. This is why, by the way, uh, the move towards um, federal control. This is why. Well, let me let me go back. Uh, something that just came down, and that is the Dobbs decision was entirely correct in sending abortion back to the states. That's where it belongs under state law. The federal government, in general, has no criminal code. That was Justice Marshall in 1833. So when they say that, well, look. Um, the federal government can pass any law it wants and the states have to abide. That is a total fabrication, a total lie. There have been a number of Supreme Court decisions that have shown that the federal law is only supreme if it's constitutional and in its proper sphere. Matters of war and peace, foreign policy, some interstate commerce, bankruptcy law. Those are all mentioned in the Constitution. Everything else is left to the states. But even if you suppose that federal law is supreme on immigration, Texas is still right to defend their own borders. It's getting better all the time. I used to get mad at my school. The teachers that taught me went cool. One of my favorites from the Fab Four, Sergeant Pepper recording session. Sergeant Pepper getting better. I wish it were getting better, but it's not under Biden-Harris. In fact, I rarely have I seen our country. I was old enough to remember when this album came out, believe it or not, Sergeant Pepper, the, the seminal, the ultimate in rock and roll history, Sergeant Pepper, right? I also remember the rest of the 60s, and that's what it feels like, a country torn asunder. A country being torn apart because you have you are faced with a group of citizens. In those days, it was a minority. Today, it's the majority called the Democrat, the Antifa BLM Democrat Radical Revolutionary Party that does not find much about America they like anymore. 
And so they are transforming it. And it's not getting better. It's getting far worse. And the border is only one manifestation of that. Welcome back, former congressman and, more importantly, former WBT talk show host, Jason Lewis in for Brett today. He will return on Monday. In the meantime, we'll get to your phone calls momentarily. I think Ray's first up at 704-570-1110. But one final point on this before we get to Ray and start the calls, and that is, even if you were to assume that the federal government has total supremacy in immigration law, then they must follow the law. And this is where it gets really dicey and why Texas will prevail. The federal government is deliberately, under Mayorkas and Biden, refusing to enforce federal statutes on immigration and the border. Therefore, even if you buy into the federal supremacy clause that the federal government reigns supreme in immigration law, That does not preclude Texas acting under its own sovereignty if it is consistent with immigration law. That is, the states may not contravene federal immigration law, but they may bolster it. They may add to it. This is a little bit like sanctuary cities turned on its head. Remember when the liberals and the the courts say, well, you you can't commandeer the locals to enforce immigration law, so they want to be sanctuary cities they can, but it's their option. Texas is merely acting in the reverse, not violating immigration law, choosing to enforce it. It is the Biden administration that is not enforcing its own federal law. Therefore, Texas is in the right here. They will be proven to be in the right. The conflict, the standoff is now underway in Texas. Sounds like Colonel Crockett and, gosh, Jim Bowie, Captain Dickinson, Colonel Travis. They're all in San Antonio at the Alamo holding off, in this case, the Biden administration. It's actually an amazing phenomenon we're seeing. And let us hope that Texas prevails soon for the sake of the rest of the country, not just what we used to call the Republic of Texas. 704-570-1110. Jason Lewis here. Ray, you are first up today on WBT and the Brent Winterbull Show. Welcome to the program. Hello, uh, Jason. I look forward to hearing you every time you're on the radio. Listen to you for a long time in Charlotte. Well, that's and very nice of you, a, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. I had a couple questions for you. The first one is um, the uh, about the J six uh, prisoners in yeah. Washington having their due process and constitutional rights trampled on. Mm-hmm. Is that going to have to be worked out by just waiting? I know we can't do anything in Washington D.C. because they control everything, but is it going to have to just be resolved ultimately yes. when it goes to the Supreme Court and they say to free these people? Yes, in fact, and I think you're quite right in your characterization. One, um, to, to just like President Trump, in order, by the way, do you know what they charged President Trump with on January 6th vis-a-vis insurrection? This will make you laugh. If it weren't so funny, it would be, if it weren't so sad, it would be funny. They they charge him with violating the Sarbanes-Oxley rule. Now, Sarbanes-Oxley came about 
over a Wall Street machination when some of these companies weren't, weren't revealing all of their finances and, and you've got SEC concerns and investor concerns. It had nothing to do with the, the, the you know Confederates or insurrectionists or anything like that. And yet they said, well, the president was obstructing justice on January 6th and therefore that's a violation uh, of Sarbanes-Oxley. And the reason they had to stretch that laughably is because the Congress has passed no insurrection law that Trump was in violation of. And I would argue that many of the J6 protesters weren't in violation of. Now, the January 6th people uh, let a protest devolve into a riot. I don't think there's any question about that. They were guilty of trespassing, of the destruction of property and all of that. But that is a far cry from locking somebody away without the due process of law for insurrection and having them serve longer prison terms, which they already have, than Antifa and BLM, which actually destroyed far more property, destroyed many more lives. And yet they've gone unprosecuted. Now, here's the problem. You'll never, ever get a fair hearing in the D.C. Circuit. Ever, ever. That's why the Department of Justice is bringing all these charges in D.C. It's going to have to be appealed to the appellate court and then finally to the Supreme Court to get some justice here. <laughs> so your, your fundamental point is correct. But, yeah, the other, the other thing I wanted you to touch on, if you could, just for just a minute, is um, how far do you think this probably kind of ties into the uh, Abbott versus federal government thing that going on right now how do you how far do you think the uh, convention of states would go to straighten out some of this mess yeah i'm not a big fan of that um to be perfectly blunt with you um and, and you know, the, what you're talking about is article five and this is when uh, when you want an amendment to the constitution you can either have two-thirds of the congress propose the amendment and pass it out or you can have a constitutional convention where two-thirds of the Congress would vote for one. Now, whatever comes out of those two, be it an amendment or be it a convention, and what comes out of the convention, three-quarters of the states would then have to ratify, sign off on. Yeah. But <clears throat> look at our election law. Look at how the left, under Zuckerbucks, under the nonprofit community, under wayward secretaries of state, that basically passed COVID voting rules in perpetuity. Look at how they have commandeered the federal election or a state mm-hmm. state. In fact, there was a huge case in North Carolina, the Moore case, which I think was adjudicated improperly when the court said the, the North Carolina courts can write election law. That's hogwash. It's the legislators responsibility, but it's state legislatures. Now, can you imagine if they can hijack election law, which I believe they have, can you imagine what they do to a constitutional convention? You would have every green-thinking vegan under the sun heading up to a convention to outlaw the internal combustion engine. And they'd <laughs> so run roughshod over us because conservatives don't know how to fight. Right. So you're you're of the mindset that it might solve a couple problems, but it would open up the constitution. Oh, my gosh. It would open a, up more a can problems. of worms. Look, here's my mindset, Ray. Uh my mindset is finally in my lifetime and your lifetime, we have a majority of originalist thinkers on the Supreme Court. 
at, at the bare minimum, a five to four majority with Amy Coney Barrett. You can't trust Roberts, but once in a while, you know, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn. And we ought to be adjudicating every contentious issue we can and getting it up to that court as often as we can. Now, some of you who are as old as I am might remember the veritable tradition on the Jason Lewis show on WBT those many years ago, a Beetle Bumper Friday. Well, it's back, at least for today. Beetle Bumper Friday on the Brent Winterable Show with former congressman and WBT host Jason Lewis filling in today. We'll get to more calls at 704-570-1110 throughout the uh, program today. But to Ray's point, he makes a good one on the J6 issue. And it is going to come to a head because the Supreme Court has um, uh, decided to review the charges against Trump for, quote, unquote, insurrection. Now, it used to be that the First Amendment would have immunized Trump. If you say, I want to fight like hell, that's a metaphor. But the left has a and CNN, by the way, did this to me when I was in Congress. They went back and looked at my old radio tapes and took words literally that were obviously metaphors, put them in a headline and made them sound really bad. So Trump says he's going to fight like hell. That is, believe it or not, evidence of insurrection. It is under CNN standard. But, you know, if you didn't have congenital liars at CNN, they would have no one to put on the air. Uh, people like Andrew Kaczynski and the K-File crew. They're really just a, a noxious group of little spoiled brats that have nothing better to do than to go through the trash of every Republican they can find. And that's what they've done ultimately with Trump. So Trump stands on the podium and says, I want you to go up to the Capitol and protest peacefully because we're going to fight like hell for election integrity. Fight like hell is now evidence of insurrection. And of course it's not. It's your First Amendment right to express an opinion. In fact, I would argue that the president of the United States has a duty to secure election integrity. And if he believes, rightly or wrongly, that there were, were, and by the way, we're going to get into this next hour or uh, or the third hour, because in Arizona, the election integrity issue is coming to a head. Big news out of Arizona on that. We'll get to that. But if the president believes this, he has a constitutional duty to ensure that balloting is fair. And all I can tell you is my experience. When I was the U.S. Senate nominee in Minnesota in 2020, after serving a term in the House, we went into that evening thinking we were going to win. And about three-quarters of the way through that evening... The esteemed pundits at 538 said Jason Lewis has a 55% shot at being the next U.S. Senator from Minnesota. There was a dead-even poll in late October. And usually when you're even challenging an incumbent, you're ahead. And lo and behold, friends, why when St. Louis County and Olmstead County and Hennepin and Ramsey County, hell, probably even Mecklenburg County, (laughs) when they all came in why my opponent miraculously found the votes late going or late in the evening to surpass us 
And we know, we know there were there was, I mean, there have been election irregularities since Rutherford B. Hayes in the election of 1876, not to mention Kennedy and Nixon in 60 and the Chicago machine and all of that. Well, now, since we have COVID voting rules where these late ballots can come in, people can gather ballots. We call that ballot harvesting. You can have literally months to vote without witness signatures for absentees. We know the shenanigans were going on. President loses Minnesota by one and a half percent in 2016. President Trump. I'm dead even tied in late October. And all of a sudden we go down by four or five percent. Well, that would be enough for any person who's objectively thinking to say maybe these COVID voting rules and mail-in ballots are leading to some shady operations. I have a duty to investigate this. That is not insurrection. It's not insurrection by a long shot. And so, there is no way these prosecutions should be going on if we hadn't weaponized federal law enforcement, which we have. And that is why this is our last shot, without being true, too, true um, overly dramatic here. But when you've got a system where the DOJ and the FBI can spy on their political opponents and then prosecute them, you've got a system that's on the brink not to mention the border. So many things to talk about today. We will get to all of it and your calls at 570-1110. We'll get back to more border talk. We've got election talk coming on. Oh, and, and another prosecution that's ill-advised. All of that coming up next hour. Jason Lewis in for Brett today. Stick around, gang. You're on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. stop and think about them. and smart, a man that's running against somebody that's never done a damn thing in the Senate, Mr. Jason Lewis. Okay, thank you, Frankie Lane. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Charlotte. It is Jason Lewis, former talk show host on WBT, ex and reforming member of Congress, here to guide you through your Beetle Bumper Friday afternoon on uh, Charlotte's News Talk, 1110-993-WBT. Phone number stays the same, 704-570-1110. It is great to be back here uh, in for Brent today. Brent will be back on Monday. I think I'll be back in February or March or something like that, but always a pleasure. Love to talk with the folks in my old stomping grounds in the Queen City, such a wonderful part of my life. And I know you love to hear what's been on my mind and a few Beetle Bumper Fridays. Now, if you are more interested in what's been on my mind, I would encourage you to go to jasonlewis.substack.com. It is a newsletter that comes out once or twice a week on Substack, jasonlewis.substack.com. And we talk about things like 
Well, <clears throat> the false Trump charges, uh, the third party candidates in the race against Trump who don't see the writing on the wall. Thank you, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley will not even win the vote in Rock Hill let alone the presidential nomination. So the longer she stays in, you have to understand one thing. The more she's helping Joe Biden. And she knows it because the people backing Nikki Haley are never Trump establishment types. And there is a sea change within Republican thinking that has coincided with the Trump era. It is no longer a party of crony capitalism carrying the water for corporate interests and their lobbyists in Washington. It is the party of Main Street. It is the party of America first. It is the party that understands sometimes big global profits do not align with the national interest, as I wrote in my Substack newsletter this week. You should get it. JasonLewis.substack.com. And if you really want to know what it was like to run with the president, as I did in three cycles in a row, If you really want to know what it was like to run amidst COVID lockdowns and rioting uh, throughout the Twin Cities, get my book, Party Animal. Party Animal, the truth about President Trump, power politics, and the partisan press, out now in paperback on Amazon. And it is a tour. To, I've even got an audible um, narrated version that I, I put out. If you like Jason Lewis on the radio, you'll love 10 hours of it on audible. But check it out. Um, it will uh, it will inform and and Peak your interest, as they say. It will peak your interest. Now, Tom's waiting patiently, but let me just summarize where we've been, then we'll get to Tom this segment. Um, the state of Texas is squaring off with the Biden administration on this border thing. And I think precedent is going to uphold what Texas is trying to do for the simple reason is that even if you believe in the supremacy of federal law on immigration, That means the federal government may enforce their own law, but so can the states. The states may not be able to contravene federal law, but they can certainly add to it if they choose. So, and if they don't want to enforce federal law, they don't have to. That's why you've got sanctuary cities. They choose not to enforce federal immigration law. And that's why San Francisco and Portland and Minneapolis are doing so darn well. (laughs) Tongue in cheek. But if they want to enforce federal immigration law, they may because they have a sovereign right to protect their own borders. And the federal government has dual sovereignty. To in fact, now here's the great, the great, shall we say, divide here. The great divide here is the federal government is not enforcing federal law. And the state of Texas is. So what you've got here is a situation where the people complying with federal supremacy are the folks in Austin, not the federal government. And that's what makes the great the great debate so silly. So you've got this 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 border reckoning in Texas going on right now. And by the way, in Washington, D.C., you've got the Senate getting ready to capitulate to Biden, saying, well, you know, we'll do a little a little window dressing around the border if you give us more aid to Ukraine. What? The only troops we should be sending anywhere should be the border of the United States, not Ukraine's. This is insanity. There should be no deal with Biden on this, on aid to Ukraine in exchange for aid to the border. 
The GOP in the Senate should say no deal. And the president ought to run on this, the former president, front and center. The Democrats will try to make abortion an issue. If the Republicans run on immigration, they win. Because far more many Americans are concerned with 11, 15, 22, 30 million illegals in this country than they are over a state that might want to protect a fetus in the last few months of pregnancy. That's the debate. 704-570-1110. Tom, you're first up this segment. Welcome to the program. Hey, Jason, man, I want to tell you, I love your song. He rode a blazing saddle. He, I love that. I love <laughs> that. But listen, we had a lot of fun uh, with that. A lot of fun. <clears throat> I really think, and not, I'm not politicizing this, that razor wire is so inhumane, and I, I just think the less of Governor Abbott for putting that stuff up when these people, right or wrong, are trying to s- pursue freedom, and they're risking their lives coming across the border, getting whacked up and cut up with this uh, vicious uh, razors. And I just think that's terrible. And um, the second thing is... Well, what country would you preclude from coming to America? Shall we invite um, every country in, every citizen of Ukraine, every citizen of Palestine, every citizen of uh, Sub-Saharan Africa? I mean, can can they all come because it's so humane for us to protect our border? No, I'm just saying the wire is, you know, figure out another way. I'm looking from the human point. The the wire is terrible. But let me say this. Uh, Biden's trying to make a deal in Washington with uh, the the Republicans, and and Trump's trying to politicize this uh, border protection. So, I think Trump is wrong. Well, it ought to be politicized because it's a political question. And the question (laughs) is this, Tom, the question is this. What do you do when 20 million people invade your country? You put up a wall like Biden finally acknowledged. You put it up. You put it up. He hasn't done it. If, he, if Trump stops stop those Republicans from doing it, it won't get them. There is no, 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 no. There is no expanse in the wall in this deal. But how, how has it happened? Look, even, even the CBO acknowledged, Tom, that 3.3 million immigrants came across last year alone. How did that happen? It didn't happen in 2018 when I was in Congress. I see what you're saying, and I, I, I really don't think they should be over here. I want to make that plain, yeah. but I just, I, I, I'm going to go back to the wire, and I'm enjoying your show, so you go ahead and teach me, and I'll sit and listen. Thank you, Jason. Keep on riding that blazing saddle playing. Okay? Tom, thank you for your opinion. Uh, I really appreciate it today. Beetle Bumper Friday, rocking on on WBT. Former Congressman and BT Talk Show host Jason Lewis in for Brent Winterbull today. Glad to do it. I think I'll be back on February 9th, something like that. Always a pleasure to be on WBT. You know, I was listening to Pete uh, during the break there and that, that Trump is not reaching out. I would respectfully have a, a different take on that. There has not been one single GOP presidential candidate that has won by not solidifying the base. Do I need to remind you of Ford, of Bush, of McCain, 
of Romney. They all reached out. They spoke to other people in the different orbit, and they all got their butts handed to them. You must first solidify the base. And uh, I would say back-to-back 50 percentage point plus wins ought to be a signal you've done that, at least to Nikki Haley. But uh, she is not heard because... uh, Because she doesn't care about GOP fortunes. She cares about Nikki Haley's fortunes. Uh, And that's the bottom line here. And the country is at a precipice, on the precipice of disaster, quite frankly. 704-570-1110, the contact line. First up this segment, Charlie and then Mike. Let's get to Charlie first. You're on with Jason Lewis. Hey, Charlie. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you? I think you're doing okay. We lost Charlie. That's what you get when you got that cell phone provider you got on. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. Mike, uh, you're next up on the program. Thanks for waiting. You're on uh, with with, uh, Jason filling in for Brett. Yes, good evening. I really do like what you've been saying. I just want to talk about the border just a little bit. Sure. Uh, Let's take uh, North Korea. If we had somebody that going into North Korea, they'd either be shot or put in jail. And uh, maybe we need to get a little tougher on these people. Um, I don't say uh, shoot them, but instead of they need to have you like think a, a razor wire might put work. Some, a razor wire fence. Yes, yes. Put it up. Put the razor wire fence up and keep them from coming in. Um, I pay the Internal Revenue Service a hell of a lot of money each year, and it really pisses me off when I see that these people coming in and my tax money is not going to support the people of the United States like the veterans. They're supporting people that come in that's not even citizens of the United States. and taking tax money is going for dreamers. Yes, dreamers. And it really, and it really, 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 really pisses me off. Well, I don't blame you, and I feel the same way, and it's not only unsustainable fiscally, but it is changing the fabric of the country. We are starting to resemble a third-world banana republic in so many ways, when it comes to elections, when it comes to a weaponized DOJ. You know, down in Venezuela, if you run against the, the reigning forces, the regime, and you lose, you get thrown in jail. That's what third-world banana republics do. They prosecute their opponents. They have the military or the DOJ do it. That's what we're doing now with MAGA Republicans. It's terrifying. Exactly right. That's what I mean. What's yes, happening sir. to this country? Exactly. And, and the border is a pretty and... good example of how you how you you get enough people in who don't want to assimilate to become Americans. They want to transplant their third world banana republic north. Well, all I can say is go Trump. Get back in there. And make America great again, again. Thanks well, for, thanks for your, your points. And I don't want to, you know, demonize Tom or, or beat up on Tom. Very reasonable guy. Very, you know, as, as has his viewpoint. And that's what America is about. Different viewpoints. But, Tom, we're not the ones trying to cancel you. It is the liberal left and the big tech left that's trying to cancel us. And therein lies the real danger here. And it's pretty darn scary. And if we don't get a handle on it this cycle... I fear, I fear, um, well, as Jefferson say, said, I tremble for my country. And that's, that's where we are right now. And that's why so many people look past 
all of Trump's idiosyncrasies. They don't care about that. They don't care that he likes to beat up on Nikki Haley or anybody else. What they care about is getting their country back. That's what they care about. Snake, let's squeeze you in before the bottom of the hour break. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, I mean, you you, you and me and every other ultra-conservative, right, we don't like rhinos, and we've got a to-do list, and we want to get our country back, and whatever that list is, I'm sure you and I agree on almost all of it. But I'll tell you what, what's going to happen is instead of getting all our country back and instead of doing that to-do list, we're going to have a Democrat in the White House, Democrats in the Senate, and a Democrat in the Congress. Or, or there's a good likelihood of it. Because the probability of success of Donald Trump getting all those three things in the Senate, the, the House, and the, and the Oval Office is about 50-50. And then you go look at the polling results and you see who can actually win this election and win the Congress. And that's somebody else, and you know who it is. And whether you like her policies or not, and whether she's to the left of us or not, she's way to the right of Joe Biden and his ilk. So that's that's all I got. To no, say she's about not. Need to go no, she's not. She's part game. of the Uniparty. No, I, I respectfully uh, disagree. Nikki Haley is part of the Uniparty. She wants more troops in Ukraine than she does on the border. She is part uh, of the establishment. Look who's funding her, Snake. Big tech. Yeah. The libertarian left. The global interests. So, so your basic premise is wrong. If you're, if you were talking about a Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy, you may have a point. You do not have a point with Haley. And the worst thing Trump could do would be to even entertain the idea of putting her in the administration, which he will not do. So, I, I think your premise is entirely wrong. Strategist, if you're the if you're in charge of this strategy, you need to win the damn election. You need to put the best person in that can win the game against the the, the other team. Well, and that has been the consultant's keep- mantra for as long as I've been in politics. Yeah, you got to get elected before you can do anything, which is a code for throw out your principles, sound like a liberal, then govern like one. But by God, at least you got elected, which gets us exactly into the mess we are in. You could not be more wrong, my friend. But one person who's always right. Bumper Friday rolls on, as I say. Jason Lewis in for Brent Winterbull today. We'll be back next month, every now and then, as they say. Hey, that was the latest Beatles song, Now and Then, wasn't it? I want to get to the last caller's points because you just, you just sort of left wondering what the people of South Carolina know that these never-Trumpers don't. And that is Nikki Haley has zero chance of getting the Republican nomination. Donald Trump, like him or not, and I'm not going to get into the personal attacks on Haley. I don't like the personal attacks on Trump or anybody for that matter, unless it involves legal problems. So I, that's not it. 
But Haley is an internationalist. She's a corporatist. Look at her backers. They are the creme de la creme of the establishment. They want to go back to the old swamp. They don't want to put America first. We must lead the world. We must be in Ukraine. We must be everywhere. And think about this. We're toying with nuclear war against a hollowed-out empire that presents no threat to anyone except Zelensky. You've got Crimea, which is Russia's only warm-water naval port, that's been a part of the Russian Empire long before the Soviet Union. And what is NATO and, and the, the interventionists and Zelensky saying? We're going to take it from you. We're going to, and Putin is saying, no, you're not. What is America's interest in this? And there's so much corruption in Ukraine anyway. The notion that they are the white hats here. I mean, does anybody remember when Joe Biden was bragging about undoing a a prosecution and getting a prosecutor fired for looking into the Biden family finances in Ukraine, Burisma and all the rest? They are corrupt as hell. But Nikki wants to up the ante there. Got to be in Ukraine. Troops at the border? Well, I will defer that to a, to a congressional reform on immigration, but we've got to be in Ukraine. Immunity for big tech under Section 230 so they can cancel all of us? Well, you know, I, I'll have to take a look at that, but there's a reason we passed Section 230 immunity to, to, to jumpstart the Internet. They're the biggest monopolist the world has ever known. And she's carrying their water. That's why I'm vehemently opposed to Nikki Haley and why South Carolina is. Trump will win her own state. So what is the reason for her staying in the race when Trump is the only non-incumbent Republican in history to win Iowa and New Hampshire back-to-back by 50 percentage points plus? Self-aggrandizement? Or is it she's a tool of the never-Trumpers, a tool of the establishment? And by the way, I would remind Snake that if you don't think the Democratic left would come after someone like Haley, I got two words for you. Mitt Romney, the golden boy of never Trumpers, the liberals liberal in the Republican Party, the Nelson Rockefeller of our time, they tore him apart in 2012. Oh, they're going to beat Trump. They're going to tear him apart. Hogwash. They're going to do that to anybody but Trump. Now, this is not, by the way, um, an apology for Donald Trump. I don't agree with everything he does and says. But I do agree with America first. I do agree with the policies. I helped implement them in the 115th Congress. And I do know the Republican Party, in the words of Ron DeSantis, cannot go back to the warmed-over corporatism that the establishment wants. The only troops I want to see are ones on our border. And this, what Eisenhower warned about, this military-industrial complex that, got, that has to sell its weaponry someplace, and we intervene everywhere. You know, I was talking with General Mike Flynn the other day. I know Mike. He's a great man. 
And he made the point, and it was such a salient point. He started listing all of these conflicts around the globe where in one way or another, directly or indirectly, we were fighting on both sides. (laughs) Yeah. We say Iran is the great threat, even though the Shias aren't the ones exporting terrorism. It's the Sunni Muslims that are doing that, but we're backing the Sunnis. But Iran is the great threat, so we overthrow Iraq, thanks to George Bush, and we get involved there where we shouldn't have. And who moves into Iraq, which was a Sunni state, or predominantly Sunni? The Shias in Iran. This is what we have to get away from. And there's a lot of money to be made by big tech, by the military contractors, by the swamp, by the Republican consultants who love these candidates. And that's why they're fighting so hard. I can tell you from personal experience, friends, that these these candidates who have no chance of winning, but who stay in the race for their own self-aggrandizement, And this is a hats off to Ron DeSantis. It might have been too late, but at least you saw the writing on the wall. But Haley will not. They weaken Republican efforts in the fall. They hurt Republicans. I had, when I was running for the U.S. Senate, there was no question I was going to be the Senate nominee. I'd served in Congress. I was well known after all the radio stuff and this and that. I was going to be the guy. But there was this gadfly who insisted on giving the media sound bites. I think he ended up pulling at 2 or 3%. I kid you not. I mean, I had 90% of the delegates, 90% of them. It was, just, it was a fait accompli. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that's what it was. And yet he insisted on staying in, staying in. It was just a thorn in our side when we should have been focused on the most liberal member of the United States Senate, a revolutionary really just a horrible, horrible policy-wise person, Tina Smith of Minnesota, who backs defunding the police, who loves Planned Parenthood. She used to work there, wants abortion on demand and wants you to pay for it, who believes in big profits for big meds so they can transition youngsters. She's just really, really a bad person that way. And he helped her by staying in the way Haley is helping Biden by staying in. Don't you love the 11th commandment? The 11th commandment is a one-way street, my friends. You know, what do I mean by that? It means when you get a milquetoast Mitt Romney, Charlotte conservatives are lectured ad nauseum to get behind him. I don't care he's not conservative. You need to get behind him. Remember the 11th commandment, thou shalt not criticize another Republican. But the moment Trump gets the nomination and you have a real paradigm shift in the party, Where are all those people who preach the 11th commandment? They're criticizing the top of the ticket. The Steve Schmitz of the world, the Rick Wilsons of the world. These are these Republican consultant hacks behind the Lincoln Project when they weren't behind covering for their, their pervert in chief. These are evil people. And so I hope people like Snake get on board sooner rather than later because the writing's on the wall my friend
this is an old Beatles cover. A Ringo uh, solo job from the early days. Act naturally on a Beatle Bumper Friday. Welcome back, everybody. Former Congressman Jason Lewis and, yes, Beatles aficionado. You remember that from my old days at WBT, Beatle Bumper Friday. It's back, everybody. But the number remains the same, 704-570-1110. Robert, thanks for your patience. You are next. Earth to Robert. Yeah, I just want to let you know uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly on what you're saying. The thing about it, all these uh, swamp people that are contributing to, uh, uh, you know, Haley to stay in, yeah. they, they really, even even if she did win, they would support Biden. So and the fact is they just won't, uh, they think, uh, Trump would be a tougher opponent. It's amazing Trump got over 50% given all the Democrat crossovers in New Hampshire. Yeah. I mean, you're 100% correct. This is a never-Trump-driven movement by Haley. And if you look as to who's funding her, it's pretty clear. 100% correct. Anyway, got to move. Robert, thank you. Mike, thanks for your patience as well. You're on WBT, Brent Winterbull Show with Jason Lewis. Hey there, Jason. How's it going? Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm not hearing you very well, but I'll do my best. Um, I hope everything's okay with Brett. Uh, are you going to be here until he gets back in February? No, 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 no. Brett will be back on Monday. I'll be back for another another day or two in February is all. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm misheard. No, Brett's fine. Brett's um, fine. And I, I like the, those beetle, bump, beetle bumpers are, are, are terrific. Do you know who that, uh, you said that was a cover that Ringo did. Do you know who wrote it? Yeah, it's I funny. It was I was trying to think of that. Give me a hint. It's an old country star, right? Right. I think it's Buck Owens. I think it might have been. Somebody like that anyway, yeah. Yeah, somebody Beatles had quite a few covers I'm, initially. Yeah, somebody will come up and tell me I'm wrong for sure. As I'm sure people will tell me about uh, that I'm wrong about the, um, my dissenting voice on this radio station. Sure. Um, and wanting to get a little bit more of your insights and see if... And I may be misreading it, but it seems yep. to me that you're glossing over a lot of of the former president and his behavior, both pre-election, but but especially post-election. Mm-hmm. And last hour, you were talking about kind of focusing on on well, gee, freedom of speech. January sixth, you know, he doesn't have the right to talk about you know uh, to people from the podium. And of course, he does. But that's not all there was. What is abundantly clear from so much evidence is from the time of even before the election, but even especially afterwards, he was told, he was informed by people who wanted him to win. These were his supporters. These were his advisors. Mm -hmm. And he was told by dozens of them, Mr. President, you lost. Mr. President, Whatever fraud we're finding, and we're not finding very much, but whatever. Well, but he was also, yeah, that's close. true. But he was also told by uh, Eastland and others that he should move forward on the Electoral Count Act because they thought he won. Um, now, well, I want to be clear about this. Are you saying there was no fraud in 2020 or no election irregularity? What I'm saying is, is whatever there was, mm-hmm. was not even close to changing the outcome. 
And well, it's hard, it's hard to know point. that. It's hard to know that. I mean, Kennedy well, that, clearly, clearly was that? cheating it's, in it's Illinois in 1960 and in Texas. LBJ had, cheated numerous times. And there will come a point where it reaches an inflection point. But that's immaterial, really. What's, what's material is there are two ways that the First Amendment does not defend speech. And one is called an IIED, an intentional infliction of emotional distress where I stalk you and I threaten to kill you or do something horrible to you or your family. I am intentionally inflicting emotional distress. That is not protected by the First Amendment. An incitement to riot, to say, go and riot and tear down the Capitol, would also not be covered. It is clear as the day is long that Trump did neither. Wanting to fight like hell is not an incitement or an IIED. You have the right under the law to freedom of speech. Nobody denies that. And in fact, in Jack Smith's indictment, it's like in the third paragraph or so, right. he says up front, he had the right, like every American, to speak mm-hmm. publicly about the election uh, and even to claim falsely. On yes, his part, and that's that, why the that, indictment says, out, I'm indicted. This, this have is right, it gets really Wait, wait, wait. That's why right. the indictment says he's charging Trump with, quote, unquote, defrauding the United States. If anybody's exactly. defrauded the United States, it's Joe Biden when he says he's competent. Uh, Jason, come on. This All right, is, this how about... How about COVID no, no, treatments? Were we defrauded under COVID and told fact. that lockdowns would work? The leader of a party, the leader of a party, your leader, has done all he could to overturn an election. I, for someone who loves the Constitution as much as I know you do, I can't understand why that. So you really think? I, I wanna, no, no, I respect your opinion, but I think you're wrong. But look, you really think How? what that's Trump what I said? I want to know. I want to hear more about. That. They had to charge him with Sarbanes Oxley an accounting deal? law. But, but but listen, they had to charge him with Sarbanes Oxley an accounting law for January sixth, because there no, is no they, insurrection they, they law he violated. The, uh, the election act, the ECA. About no. wanting to thwart that by fraudulent means. He's got funny you should say that. Well. It's, it's funny and, you should say and, that. You teed it up for me, my friend. Why do you suppose Congress had to change that law? You mean 130 years ago? No, no, no. The law is 1887, the Electoral Count Act. And this is what Trump right. said. Pence should count the, the, the electoral or refuse to count some electoral votes. And they said, you can't do that. That's insurrection. But then those same people went in and changed the law because they knew he could have done that. Because the um, entire history of the United States, up until 2020, no. every, every president had, had uh, allowed for the peaceful transfer of power based on what every logical Do you? <laughs> was in, well, you've got a short memory. Now, I don't know if you just don't remember the early 2000s when they were saying Bush stole the election in 2004 and they shouldn't count the electoral college vote from Ohio. Do you remember all those Democrats? I sure do. <laughs> Stick around, everybody. And smart, a man that's running against somebody that's never done a damn thing in the Senate, Mr. Jason Lewis. He rode a blazing saddle, 
right. Thank you, Frankie Lane. Thank you, Mr. President. Third hour now of the Brent Winterbull Show up and running. I am former Congressman Jason Lewis. More importantly, as you all know, former WBT talk show host. Five glorious years in the Queen City. Got to know each and every one of you personally. Okay, maybe that's kind of an exaggeration, but pretty soon that will be criminal. What? Yeah, you know, the whole January 6th thing is an attempt at criminalizing dissent. It doesn't matter whether Trump was right or wrong. I happen to think that the global warming Nazis are dead wrong. I think there's a natural ebb and flow that man has very little impact on climatology. And it just doesn't correlate the greenhouse gas model with history. I may be wrong. That's not to say it hasn't warmed. It has. But that's certainly not to say we're the cause. But be that as it may, do I have the right of my opinion? And the answer by the cancel culture left is no, you don't. You will get on board or else. We will cancel you. We'll take your job. We'll deplatform you on Twitter. We'll do everything we have to do to make your life miserable. We will harass you. In fact, that's what Maxine Waters and the Democrat Party said. Remember that? Supreme Court justices, get in their face if you see them. Now they're trying to prosecute and jail their primary opponent, Donald Trump. It's a pretty good definition of oppression, Orwellian fascism, if you will. And that's what J6 is all about. It is not to say that these people who turned a protest into a riot do not deserve charges against trespassing, destroying government property, all of those. But to call it an insurrection is a political sleight of hand, and they're doing it deliberately because they want to silence people and make certain people know, if you don't agree with us, you're next. And that's exactly what they're doing. So, you know, when I defend the J6ers, it's not to defend what they did. It's to defend the country from overzealous prosecutors at the DOJ and elsewhere. And now they're going after, again, their chief political rival, which is what third world banana republics do. To show, And and by the way, you could get into the minutia legally in all of this. You really can. But... To show you how bizarre it is, if you believe that the 14th Amendment says an insurrectionist can't run for office, and of course that was former uh, you know, Jefferson Davis and former Confederate officers, you have to have a countervailing, not a countervailing law, a supporting federal statute that enforces the amendment. And of course, there is none. And there was none for J6. In fact, it became so absurd, and this is why the Supreme Court is going to upset a lot of people when they strike down a lot of these prosecutions, that the charge against Trump includes charges from the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 for interfering with official proceedings. That is not insurrection. Sarbanes-Oxley came about in 2002 after the 2001 stock market debacle, where you had a bunch of companies, a lot of them uh, tech startups, who were inflating their earnings, or actually stock price was being driven to the stratosphere with no earnings. And so they, they passed a law basically creating a fourth branch of government that would go over the books of these companies. Part of it was struck down. 
But what's that got to do with insurrection? Well, that's what they charged Trump with and a lot of the J6ers. And they're going to review that. The Supreme Court is already set to review it. And when they do, you know what they're going to find? That that is not enforcing legislation. Not at all. And, and so the, the bottom line here is that you don't have to be a defender of what the, the, you know, the, the protesters, rioters, call them what you will, did on January 6th to also realize charging them with insurrection and jailing them without due process is a terrifying development in the history of the republic to weaponize federal law enforcement like this they are not going to stop with those folks and they haven't and they haven't in fact peter navarro this was the the president's white house advisor on trade has just been sentenced to four months prison sentence for what refusing to testify in front of liz cheney's committee now Once again, nuance is everything. There was zero, zero legitimacy to Liz Cheney's January 6th committee. I know this from having served in Congress, where the majority and the minority appoint committee members. In this case, Kevin McCarthy was deprived of his prerogative to appoint members on that committee. Pelosi said, I will appoint all the members. Naturally, she picked Liz Cheney and the representative from Illinois, Kingsman or whatever the heck his name was. All never Trumpers. So A, it's an illegitimate committee. But more important, Trump or, uh, Navarro was not Hunter Biden, somebody profiting from access, somebody fulfilling his promise to get access to the brand or building the brand of his father for cash. It was an advisor to the president who under executive privilege, and that's a fancy word for separation of powers, which is a fancy word for checks and balances. We have three branches of government and one may not trample the other. And Congress holding an executive official for advising the president privately on trade or anything else for that matter, may not demand that he divulge those conversations. That's 50 year old precedent testimonial immunity of presidential advisors. And they blew that out of the water because we have a dual system of justice. If you're anywhere near Donald Trump, this is terrifying stuff. This is a purge. And I will tell you, if you can't see that beyond your hatred of Donald Trump's personality, it does not bode well for this republic. little magical mystery tour for you here on this Beetle Bumper Friday, winding up to 6 o'clock. And we will be back on February 9th, I think, is the next time Jason Lewis is back in for Brett. But I'll keep you up to date. And as will WBT, stay tuned right here to News Talk 1110 and 99.3 for all the latest on that and everything else you want to know from news, traffic, 
whether to the issues of the day, which we are talking about now, 570-1110, the contact line. Derek, you are first up this segment. Thanks for waiting. Fire away. Yeah, hey, Jason. Uh, Got to say I appreciate your perspective, uh, both historical and having served in Congress mm-hmm. on the issues of the day, especially current ones. Um, I, I have not understood the manner of, in, in which the citizens of this country have neglected their own duties to be informed, to participate in a proper way, nor Congress's abdication, quite frankly, of their own responsibilities over the last number of years uh, right. to do what they have been charged to do. Um, and well, that's so going that's coming up. You're, you're that. quite right about I that, and that's a, that's a I case in front of the Supreme Court right now with the Chevron Doctrine. Right, right. Where correct. Congress just basically said, "Hey, let's let the courts settle this. So they can write right. regulations. We don't have to worry about that." Or, or to allow exactly um, any of these administrative bureaus yep. uh, to take over their own powers. Uh, you know when that really, powers. really hit me between the eyes many, many years ago when the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed and Tony Coelho was the author. He was on the old show Crossfire back when we had real good shows. And they asked him, well, you, you say you, that p- employers have to make a reasonable accommodation for the handicapped um, so that it's not an undue burden. What do those phrases mean? And Coelho admitted well, I'm going to leave that to the judicial branch. That is a total abdication of legislative responsibility. You've got to write the law and define the law. Otherwise, you let judges do it. Or in, in, in worse, as, you're, as you point out in the Chevron cases or the Chevron doctrine, uh, administrative bureaucrats do it. We're, we're under an administrative state right now. That is right. And it has always been understood to me, uh, I am a lawyer myself, that... Uh, laws are written by whichever uh, congressional or state legislature. They should be clear and concise. If they are not, then the court determines. That's right. It is not for an extrajudicial, we'll, we'll call it an administrative state, to create, define, and then enforce laws. That is well, not, and, under and, the Constitution. That is not their purview. And that's how we get bans on gas stoves. Well, or, or we get Clean Air Act. Obama's Clean Air Act, which thankfully was found unconstitutional, but the provision of Clean Power Plan, I should say, was the provisions were to let the, the EPA bureaucrats shut down power plants. And you're Correct. quite right. I don't like it when judges write laws, but it's even worse when you've got bureaucrats and the executive. And the key here is, as you well know, as a, as a counselor, the word executive. They are to execute the law, not to write the law. Otherwise, self-government's meaningless. Correct. And that is why I, more recently than ever, have become dismayed by the state of our own citizenry not revolting and i don't mean in a violent sense but saying this is not what what red and circuses 
Derek, we, we bread are, and surfaces. We are citizens. The government works for us. We do not work for the government, and the government doesn't does not tell us uh, you, how to look, live. Look, you're a hundred percent correct. We elect people. We elect people to hopefully create laws or enforce laws that they said they would do when we elected them, as right. opposed to them being handed down by a third farmed out to a third party, if you will. Well, I do think that's going to change with this court case, but I, the, the long and short of it is bread and circuses. I mean, I, I think that more Americans know who the next contestant is on the voice than, than they do what the, the first three articles of the constitution mean. I mean, it, it, we have deliberately, I think primarily through education and the media dumbed down the American population um, they are entertained with trivial matters, and we're getting the government we deserve because of it. Amen to that. And I, it's terrifying. I, I think the, the education of, and this is why I take my three small children, and we we say the Pledge of Allegiance. I, you know, they are six and younger, so they're not quite getting it yet, but that is what we as citizens uh, are tasked to do amongst ourselves, or there will be no republic because the whole purpose of it is self-governance. And well, you better watch country. it. You keep going. You better watch it, Derek. You keep going down this road, you're going to get disbarred. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks, buddy. Appreciate the call. Hang in there. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. It's very, very important. Every person does their their bit. That's really true. Derek, thanks. Dan. Oh, I'm sorry, Barbara. Barbara's next, then Dan. Well, Dan, if I don't get to you this segment, we'll get to you on the other side. But Barbara, you've been waiting the longest. Go ahead, dear. Oh, it is Dan. Okay, my bad. Well, these days, Dan, Barbara could be the same person. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But, you know, there is something that strikes the strikes terror into the heart of a certain segment of the population. And do you know who that segment is? I don't know either. Which one? Uh, the uh, Northern Iowa Panther. <laughs> oh, well, that's Appalachian State. That's who strikes terror in the heart of the Panthers. That's right. Go Nears. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You got You and I have got to be the only two that know that in, the, in all of Carolina. <laughs> that's an inside joke, isn't it? It sure uh, is. I, uh, I've got a, Appalachian I, I State's a great school. I understand that you have a, a producer that is an App State grad. My granddaughter is just getting ready to graduate with a degree in uh, music uh, to uh, teach. So... Uh, and she's had we stayed, had her uh, my guess is this. I have two daughters that were collegi collegiate swimmers and very good at it, and they're, they're wonderful kids. But had we stayed in the Carolinas, um, I think one of them would have ended up at, at Appalachian State. Well, well, I, I don't know why she's still wanting to teach, because her, she was doing a, a little tiny internship while a woman was out on uh, medical leave and uh, to help her get through that little period. But... Yeah. Uh, a little guy about five years old walked up to her. He she, he called her hand on. Uh, she called his hand on. He was acting out, and uh, she called his hand on it. And uh, he walked up and kicked her in the shin. And uh, so anyway, she oh, got yeah. called to the office uh, by the principal. Oh, uh, by man. the principal, and the principal, <laughs> the principal called called the uh, the parents had called and wanted a meeting, and they said they didn't understand why that she was trying to uh, antagonize their child to the point to where he would retaliate. <laughs> well, there you go. That's half the problem. Speaking of meetings, I got to move, Dan. Thanks for the call. Good fun.
Well, you know them, you love them, you want to hear them. A Beetle Bumper Friday continues on the Brent Winterbull Show. I am Jason Lewis. I, in the, the famous words of Rocky Balboa, I think I invented this. I think I invented this, yeah. Many, many years ago on WBT Radio, and the legend continues today. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The number remains the same, however, 704-570-1110. Let's go to Stan. He's been waiting patiently as well. Stan, you are next on the program. Hi. Hi, Jason. How are you today? Doing very well, sir. How about you? I'm doing good. I have a question for you. Um... I noticed that the Republicans are trying to impeach Joe Biden over his financial uh, crimes or alleged crimes with uh, Hunter Biden and all his associates and stuff. And that over the border, they're only trying to impeach Blinken and Mayorkas and right. other cabinet members. Wouldn't it be much easier for them to just impeach Biden over the border since we already know that Blinken and Mayorkas and those guys are doing Biden's bidding? And well, I would think, think it'd be just as legitimate. Sure, it would be just as legitimate because Biden has that duty. Um, but I don't think practically it would be as easy. It would be easier to go after Mayorkas, and I think they want to gradually set the template, set the base for this, and and move on up. But it is interesting as to why they're going now. If you listen to Jim Jordan, who's a nice guy and a good guy, actually, I like Jim. Um, he will tell you, look, we're doing this the right way. We're going to have an impeachment investigation first. We're going to get all the testimony, whether it's an executive session or public, uh, which they will get from Hunter, Hunter Biden, I guess. And then we're going to go forward and vote it out. Whereas the Democrats just uh, you know, decided to have a vote on impeachment over a silly phone call to Ukraine or, or the January 6th nonsense, none of which were were legitimate and none of which passed, of course, and held, which is part of the problem with the January 6th, 14th Amendment nonsense, keeping Trump, Trump off the ballot. He has not been convicted anywhere of anything. How do you keep an insurrectionist off the ballot when they haven't uh, violated a federal law over insurrection? And even insurrection is a charge, and so they haven't, they haven't even charged him with it. So how can they put him off the ballot with it when they won't charge him? They cannot, and, and they cannot. And, and look, one of the impeachment charges was quote-unquote insurrection, which failed in the Congress. So how do you then move forward on keep using the 14th Amendment, which Congress has a duty to uphold, and keeping him off the ballot? You can't. It is all, as I said earlier— a, a method to intimidate, cower, and cancel anyone that doesn't agree with the regime. I mean, you, you look about you know, January 6th people and, and destruction of government property. I was at the epicenter of Minneapolis campaigning for a U.S. Senate seat when the third precinct in Minneapolis was literally taken over by rioters, burning it to the ground. What did the governor of Minnesota say? I decided not to engage which was euphemism for vacate the premises and let them have it. Where are the charges there? Have you seen any of those charges? Attacking government property. Of course you don't, just like Peter Navarro. So you've got a situation where the United States has devolved into a separate system of justice, which is no justice for MAGA Republicans and the rest of the country. And it's very, very scary, which is why for all of Trump's foibles, for all the things you might not like about his self-aggrandizing personality, 
it doesn't matter. We will either save the country this fall or we are history. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. All right, well, Jason, I always enjoy it when you're here. Hopefully we'll see you again on February 9th. Hey, bud. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Thank Appreciate you. you listening. You know, there's this big story out of uh, Phoenix that people aren't aren't really commenting on, and I'm a little surprised, but it does sort of dovetail right into this, wow, there was really no election fraud in 2020, and Trump shouldn't have been been talking about that, why it's, it's horrible. Well, Trump's um, um, comrade-in-arms, if you will, in Arizona was Kari Lake, you remember her, and she was the candidate there, and she alleged voter machinations, and she's intent on getting to the bottom of it. And so, so now she's, she as, as the gubernatorial candidate, now she's running for the Senate in what looks like a, a, a um, what, a three-way Senate race down in Arizona. But I don't know if you've heard about this, and, and it's amazing the spin by the neoconservative uh, media, the Wall Street Journal leading the charge, but the Republican Republican chair, the state party chair, Jeff DeWitt, who was one under suspicion for not being uh, mega enough, if you will, or being willing to tackle voter fraud in Arizona, where a number of Maricopa County absentees were of a suspicious nature. Remember now, when, when I say of a suspicious nature, You'd have to include everything because under COVID voting rules, no one's voting on election day like we used to, where you'd have all the votes and the result on that night. We don't do that anymore. We start voting in mid-September. And under election or COVID voting rules, when you gather ballots, you don't have to have all of the witness signatures that verify that person's ballot is who they say it is. You just get a person, give them 30 ballots, they go out and collect ballots. Or do they fill them in? Where are the witness signatures? Those were modified. And under COVID voting rules, there are no deadlines. Ballots could come in late. We're going to count them. How interesting it is that Jimmy Carter and James Baker, the Carter-Baker Commission, going back to, I think, 2005, said the most prone way to vote that would encourage and engender election fraud is mail-in ballots. Well, in my Senate race in 2020, 60%, not six, six zero were sent in absentee. You don't think there's shenanigans going on there? Well, the same situation occurred in Arizona. And the state party chair who had opposed Kari Lake was apparently, at least in some people, being held in in suspicion. Wait till you hear what happened down in Phoenix. I will tease that a little bit and tell you right after we are done with traffic with Pam Warner on the roads in Charlotte on WBT. Man, 
after 60 years, still putting out the classics. This was the Beatles song, the old John Lennon track they found and rebooted with the help of uh, some late, some te technology that's only been available recently, apparently. And it's a great song, just a wonderful song now and then. Anyway, we are back wrapping things up on this edition of the Brent Winterbull Show. I am Jason Lewis in for Brent today. Be back in February sometime enjoying the conversation. But I wanted to bring you up to date on this Arizona thing because it's a it's a breaking story that not too many people are talking about. Twofold. One, a judge in Arizona has rejected a motion from the Secretary of State's office to dismiss a lawsuit that sought records all of the state records, especially Maricopa County, from the 2022 election. Hmm. The judge said it is ordered denying without prejudice defendant's motion to dismiss the production of the documents in request number one, one being the, the documents from the absentees and the like. You see, all of these absentee ballots and the envelopes therein apparently had some something funny going on some irregularity and the plaintiffs wanted to get their access on these records and the state in maricopa county kept fighting not to hand them over it's just like minnesota or the carolinas for that matter what are they trying to hide what are they trying to hide here so be on the lookout for that that could be you know the ground zero for the election integrity battle now Having said that, the state party chair resigned yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? I think he resigned yesterday, Wednesday. Because he got caught on tape trying to do a quid pro quo with Carrie Lake. He said he had a number of benefactors, big donors, companies, big, big businessmen and women who would give Carrie a job if she just dropped out of the race, not to mention her constant harangue over election integrity. She was, whether you like it or not, recording it. And the tape went viral. He accuses her of leaking it. I'm not certain what Lake has said so far, but be that as it may, why would the state Republican Party chair of Arizona be trying so hard on behalf of the swamp? establishment figures quote unquote back east that what was the what was the phrase the phrase i should say uh companies out there that could just put her on the payroll is there a number at which you might be interested Some words to that effect now i know an illinois governor by the name of rod blagojevich who went to jail by offering up a Senate seat. Now, I think the prosecution of Blagojevich was overdone, and I don't think this rises to criminality. This is what happens in politics sometimes. But why are they so intent on getting rid of Carrie Lake in Arizona? Is she getting too close? Are we coming to a head in Maricopa County in Arizona? I'll tell you something else, too, folks. If the Republican Party listens to the capitulators uh, and, and, you know, poor old Sean Hannity. But the fact of the matter is he's been leading the charge on this horrible idea. Well, we just got to, we just got to adopt the Democrats mail-in rules. You know, if we can't beat them at their own game, we don't deserve it. 
It's the way it's going to go now that COVID rules are permanent. So we just got to play this mail-in voter game. I will tell you flat out, has a former United States Senate candidate who garnered, again, not bragging, I lost, but garnered the most votes in Republican history in Minnesota that if we continue down the road where these elections are conducted with mail-ins, with absentees, in my case, 60%, that favors dense urban districts so they can ballot harvest. Let me ask you something. If you had all mail-ins and there was ballot harvesting going on, would it be easier to do in Mecklenburg County or out in out? In, in uh, up in the mountains in some sparsely populated town by Boone, right? This favors dense urban areas because you can get to more ballots quicker. It does not favor the rural vote where mega America is. Not to mention it's wrong. So if we go down this primrose path of listening to these Republican establishment types and say, well, we just, we just got to do it better than the Democrats. We got to do mail-in vote. No, we have to keep the fight going on election integrity. We have to pass voter ID, which by the way is now a sign of insurrection, pass voter ID and by God, go back to voting on election day, unless you are in uniform abroad or, or very, very sick. And have people take a little effort to go to the polls, have it, have them counted, and have the election returns in, not any late date, not any missed deadlines that night. And you know what happens if we do that? We win. And they know it. And that's why they want mail-in ballots. And that's why they are so devious. Do not fall for that. Stick with election integrity reform, or all is lost, as they say. So anyway, Arizona is is going to be front and center pretty darn soon, and it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, what happens with all of that because there's so much on the line this cycle. I know everybody always says that, right? This is the most important election in your lifetime. And Lord knows I said it every time I was running. (laughs) But I'm not running this time, and I have to tell you, this really is the most important election in our lifetime. And if you want more info on why it is, or if Derek wants more info on the Chevron Doctrine, in that case in front of the court, I would encourage you to go to Amazon.com, where the paperback version of of my book, Party Animal, The Truth About President Trump, Power Politics, and the Partisan Press, is now up and ready at only $14.95. From congressman to salesman. But the book is important, and it does give you history on everything I've been talking about today. And so does my newsletter, jasonlewis.substack.com. In the meantime, the best thing you can do is stay tuned right here to News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. And I will be back in the future. And until then, have a great evening, everybody. We'll see you then.